Hey friend, and welcome back to the Alex Makes VR podcast. In today's episode, I am so excited to bring to you my conversation with the Adam Draper. I've been following Adam on Twitter for a while now, and I've always seen him as a very smart, switched on thought leader in the investment world, especially when it comes to things like cryptocurrency, emerging tech, the metaverse. Um, And it wasn't until recently that I really started deep diving into his company, Boost VC, which he founded and is the managing director of. And it turns out that Boost VC are essentially an accelerator for, well, in their own words, for sci-fi, aka emerging tech innovation, like futuristic technology, like virtual reality. And the more I dug, the more I realised that Adam has been involved with some of the biggest names in the VR space. For example, he uh, Boost VC um, invested in SideQuest, which for those of you who don't know, is kind of like the indie counterpart to Oculus Quest. It's where most indie developers will kind of um, put their prototypes or it's a way for people to kind of see what people are making. Because as we know, Oculus has quite a tight grip on what is allowed on the Oculus store. So so SideQuest is like a huge platform. And it's even like the way that most of us sideload our content onto the headsets, whether that's our 360 films or our um, our apps that we're developing. So SideQuest, massive, massive name. Uh, they also invested in FitXR, which admittedly was one of the first games I downloaded on my headset after Beat Saber. And when I first kind of like downloaded FitXR, um, I think it might have been called Fit VR at the time. And it was just like this really fun boxing game to music. And it was so addictive as someone who in a former life was a martial artist, which we won't get into that in this episode, but um, for another for another time, um, I just absolutely lived for that app. And I was literally in it every single day um, for months on end when I first downloaded that app. And actually I went in there recently um, and they've updated everything. It's amazing the kind of amount of uh, content they've got on there, the different kinds of classes. You can do kind of like uh, dance related fitness exercise. You can do like the classic boxing. You can do more kind of like classic fitness, like squats and things like that. Really, really great app. If you've got a quest and you haven't checked, checked out FitXR, you definitely should. Um, and another big name, Wave, which is kind of not necessarily just a VR platform, but um, they are the kind of uh, company behind Metaverse gigs, essentially. Uh, some of you might have heard that The weekend um, recently did a virtual gig that kind of smashed all kinds of records for for kind of uh, attendees. That was done through a company called Wave. Anyway, my point being, Adam and his company Boost VC have kind of been whispering in the ears, like, or even like, investing in some of the biggest names in our industry. So it was really a genuinely a genuine delight to be able to sit down with him and ask him where this is all going. Like, what's he looking at in terms of investing? Uh, what does he think about the metaverse and where this all goes? How does virtual reality intersect with Web3 at large and blockchain and NFTs? And Uh, For those of you who don't know, again, again, we talk about this all in the episode, so I don't want to spoil too much. But Adam was basically one of the first investors, uh, seed investors in Coinbase, which recently um, went on the stock exchange over a billion dollar valuation, like 
basically it's the app to get if you're just getting started with cryptocurrency. It's the one that I recommend to most people when they don't really know where to start with cryptocurrency. Um, he was like one of the seed investors for that company. Like he saw the future of cryptocurrency long before it actually became a little bit more mainstream like it has done in the last couple of years. Um, so what I'm saying is this guy knows his stuff. And like I say, it's always a pleasure to be able to speak to someone who's working at that level and just get their opinion on where everything's going and what he's looking out for. He shed some light on some really interesting things, including why he thinks now is the perfect time to actually be reinvesting heavily in VR, why now is the time that people should be taking it very, very seriously, and why Boost VC are looking for the next big companies in VR. So if you're listening and you are someone one that is working on not necessarily just a VR piece, but um, a VR kind of um, or AR company app, you know, solution. Hundred um, percent, check out Boost VC and see if you're eligible for their accelerator. Again, great way to kind of not only get some investment money, but also be in and amongst some of these great international thought leaders. Um, highly recommend it. All of the links will be in the show notes, um, as always. Anyway, I've rambled far too long. Enjoy my conversation with Adam Draper. At this point, I've already done your intro, Adam. Okay. People know who you are and they already know who you are, right? I I, I sometimes know who I am. Uh, Depends if it's Tuesday. Yeah, I am so curious to dive into so many things with you. Um, and Thank you again so much for doing this. But the first thing I want to dive into is a bit of your origin story. Like, I want to hear, like, what kind of kid were you? Have you always been into, like, sci-fi and tech? Or is this, like, a new thing? Like, tell me about it. My origin story, that's such a comic book uh, (laughs) reference in every possible way, which, uh, yeah. Okay. My quick answer is yes. And I believe my 12-year-old self would be very proud of my me which is sort of a nice gauge of like how, how hardcore you're succeeding at life. Because, uh, so I, I do love comic books. I have comic yes. books every, like the only thing I'm looking at on my wall is five co- rare comic books on my wall. And then, uh, the, this entire room back here, here, I'll, I'll just, is, uh, my comic book library. Um, oh, no and so I, I would say, okay, what kind of kid I, was I, uh, I daydreamed a lot. Um, I was okay at actual like schoolwork. Uh, bet, bet, I would say above average at math, uh, below average at focusing. Um, <laughs> and then the, and then I, I tried to, I tried to play professional tennis. Uh, and I would say the thing about school, that's sort of like, this is a random tangent, but like the thing that I, don't like about school is they expect you to be excellent at like seven things and like mm. and the, and like that's encouraged by you know your your parents and like you feel like you're a, you're a disgrace if you're not good at three of them and it's like really we praise those who are really good at one of them right like the people at the end of the day who succeed who have like been a massive success and when I was 18, I took a year off. I took a gap year. Um, and in between those, you know, 17 and 18, I uh, played tennis in Australia. And I uh, I found committing myself wholly to one thing 
was was awesome. Like you could completely get better. It never felt like I was getting better at anything. It was just sort of like I was developing my brain the way that they wanted me to develop my brain. And then I just uh, you see yourself like day after day grinding. And after eight months, you're like, oh, like my body's changed. Uh, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. I, like, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was in immaculate shape and the, uh, and this is a long way of saying at one point in my life, I was in good shape. That was I was bit, so shredded. <laughs> this is the most important takeaway. Like, <laughs> I was, I was shredded. I was like, you, you could point in a direction. I could run for hours. Um, yeah. but the, but the thing that I think is sort of interesting is like the absolute commitment to one thing. Like, I, I think that that's an important part. Of, of life. And I think we, we encourage people to like balance a lot of stuff in their lives and like going all in on one is it turns out how you make progress. Um, I started a company uh, after college or actually during college called Expert Financial. It was a secondary market for private securities. And then uh, after, and then I, after four and a half years, my co-founder and I, uh, we, we like, Basically, after four and a half years, I love my co-founder. His name's Thomas Foley. Um, we we f- failed for all intents and purposes. We ran out of money, um, but we were the first of these secondary markets. There are a lot of them out there now. We were sort of one of the first three. There's SharePost, Second Market, and us called Expert Financial. Um, and so we ended up fire sailing the the company to someone called Venovate. Um, and then I was sort of looking around and I had started to uh, really enjoy after four and a half years of this thing, coaching, mentoring, startup founders uh, to not do what I did, basically. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I made hiring mistakes, firing mistakes, like, str- uh, again, back to like focusing on one thing, straddling a bunch of different decision mistakes. Um, and I realized my uh, my efforts actually did help these uh, these founders not make early mistakes. I would say everyone has to make mistakes, like, but like yeah, yeah. not making those early ones can set you back six months or whatever. Um, focusing on the wrong things. Um, and so I started investing in some startups and, uh, and then I was like, wait a second, I really love this. And you know, a couple of those startups actually went public this year. So that makes me look smart. Including um, but, a rather a rather big unicorn spearheading the uh, the cryptocurrency market, right? Congratulations on thank on you. Coinbase. Yeah, Coin, Coinbase was one of them. The other one was a company called Amplitude. Um, and the uh, but yes, Coin, it, I I was one, I was the first investor in Coinbase, and it, it you know that has defined a big part of my career. I don't know how much of like how much of this you want to know for this podcast. I, I figured just go through, nice. you, you want my origin story. Origin story. Also, I mean, I guess origin story. My great grandfather was like one of the first venture capitalists. My grandfather was one of the best venture capitalists that a lot of people sort of think of as their mentor for other oh, VCs. Wow. My dad, oh, my, my dad was the first VC to take uh, venture capital to the world. He created something called the uh, Draper Fisher Jurvetson uh, network, which was 27 at its peak, different funds all over the planet. Then my grandfather, not wanting to compete with my dad in the United States, uh, founded the first fund in India and did insanely well. So, Venture capital in general, and my brother's a VC at Path.VC, and my sister's a VC at Halogen Ventures, both amazing people. Um, wow. and, and I have another sister who's an artist, and she's amazing. 
but the uh so like we have i don't know i i i didn't want Blood. For the record, I didn't want to be a VC. I'm just saying if, if it's a part of the origin story, I should probably mention yeah. like historically we around the dinner table, we talk about network effects and like founders. So like that, that probably helped me understand the impact. Um, mm. You know, my dad, I didn't, I don't think I really knew what network effect meant until I was like way older, but like we did talk about this stuff and he would talk about how Skype was growing the fastest of anything of all time. Hotmail like went nuts and like changed the world. Mm. Um, and so that would be a part of my origin story. Uh, so I, but fast forward, I started investing in a couple startups. None of them were popular. I mean, Coinbase didn't successfully raise their seed round. Amplitude didn't successfully raise their seed round. Um, there are tons of these different companies. Like I invested in, nothing i think of my first 20 deals like 15 of them didn't successfully raise their seed round and like mm-hmm. four of them are worth more than a billion dollars so like the the seed round has nothing to do with the success is what i'm trying yeah. to say um but it but like encouragement and having uh and being able to encourage people to like do what they want to do is always something that i've enjoyed so i get to mm-hmm. be a part of a couple of these stories um and then I was like, well, how could I turn this into something that sort of is a part of my career rather than just sort of something I'm doing? And so I decided, uh, well, mentoring in bulk is called an accelerator. Why don't I uh, found that? And so why don't I start something like that? And so I started mm-hmm. Boost. Uh, we had no idea what we were doing. Uh, within six weeks, we had a program off the ground. We had interviewed a bunch of applications. And now we've been doing that about 10 years, me and my partner, Brayton Williams, who founded it with me. Um, from and we we sort of left expert financial together to found this thing um and he and we've done like it's been fun we we jump started the crypto ecosystem uh we've backed about 120 startups in that space we've uh we've we've done about 70 in vr ar uh interesting so a big proportion of them are vr now oh yeah I'm, i'm like when we go in, we just sort of like stay constant forever um, because yeah. I, I don't think people debate that virtual reality is going to be a thing. I think the debate mm. is when, and I th- mm. think everyone's wrong on timing. So I was, we were wrong. Like I could have waited three years probably with VRAR looking retrospectively and like been a mm. little more like hardcore in the most recent years um, yeah. because there wasn't a market yet. But and so, uh, to to what you just said, the there there was this false start uh, in the VR market, which was Oculus got bought, and so tons of investors jumped in and invested billions of dollars right up front when there wasn't an actual, there weren't enough headsets to make a market yet. There were twenty thousand headsets, something like that, thirty thousand headsets, and so everyone thought. Facebook was going to be able to manufacture more headsets than they were able to in that first like three years. And now there is actually a market, but all these investors were burned. And so no one wants to invest in it. So now it's like, mm-hmm. from my perspective, there are 8 million headsets out there. Companies are making tens millions of dollars silently. And it's, you can, you know, it's a good deal. Like, it's just, you go around and you're like, Hey, I'll support you. And no one's supporting VR. And that's why I wanted to jump onto a VR, one of the VR podcasts. Thank you so much for having me. 
because like I want VR companies to know like it's time. This is perfectly to your, your time perfectly. I want more enthusiasm for the space. That's so curious to hear. And I'm so glad that you see it like that because especially in your position where you've got a really great bird's eye view of of kind of all emerging tech. And you can see, I imagine anyway, and I want to ask you about this, about how you see the pieces of this future puzzle fitting together, you know, blockchain, AR, 5G, all of these converging techs with VR obviously being, in my opinion anyway, the, it like you say, the inevitable, like it's the inevitable next computing platform like it's not even a doubt in my mind that that's the case but I'm curious like yeah you're saying that now is the right time when a lot of people in the industry even like myself like creators during the pandemic I think we were all kind of like well this is it right like this people is, are trapped hey inside. Tra- people are trapped inside let's 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 do it yeah and the first thing I did you know was hop into VR chat and go to like a random like snowball rave like in my VR headset like surrounded by other VR people and I was like why aren't people doing this this is like you know I'm here alone at home like this is awesome and then you know very quickly realized oh interesting yeah like the hardware is kind of there like people are starting to pay attention but there's still this interesting kind of I guess it's like a maybe like a novelty effect still like people you know the average consumer I guess from from my point of view as a creator is like they're not quite ready to they don't see necessarily why it's to them why they should own one like they love doing it at a party at an arcade but why should they go out this Christmas and buy a headset so yeah I'm curious to hear your thoughts on what makes this the right time it's such a good question um so I just so the thing that I never stared at that I'm much more practical about now that I've actually watched witnessed different industries uh, like going. Okay, I got to watch crypto from the beginning. Okay, so I got to watch uh, like it go from one company when when I got into crypto, the entire market's cap of everything was worth a hundred million dollars which is like nothing on the scale of finance. And uh, that, that was just luck. Like, I, I, don't, I don't particularly think I was intelligent. I was just welcoming crazy ideas. I'd never heard of what a digital currency was. I wanted to learn more. Um, and, and then, uh, and now it's a $2 trillion market. So like yeah. that growth is pretty insane. Like, at the, you know, thousands of X. And, um, but during that, those times, there are swells of interest and then pitfalls and then swells of interest and pitfalls. And in that it's, it grows in shelves. I, I remember I was sitting with Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase and he and Fred, Fred his co-founder were talking about how like we were in the middle of a huge, it was going to a thousand. Like that was the, you know, and now it's at 60,000, which is crazy, but it was like the yeah. first time going to a thousand. They were like, yeah, it grows in shelves. And it grows and flattens and then it drops and then flattens and then it grows and it flattens. And I always, I, I, I've always thought about that, but in networks of everything, all technologies, they all grow in this way. It's just we had a – crypto was the first time that we had a metric for it. We were able to actually track the enthusiasm of the market based off of this price. Like we had never been able to track that it, in any technology, Go, computers – uh, like no one, no one had a congregated database of that entire technology shown to the world. I mean, you could argue Microsoft and Apple, but like even they didn't have a perfect representation of what that market adoption was. Uh, they had gaps, 
there were no gaps. So we were able to literally see the enthusiasm and like how people used it. VR, the, in, the, the, if there's a mo and during those times, it's emotion. It's like an emotional feeling. I always get a little more uncomfortable when things are going well than when things are going poorly, because you're like, you're like, Oh my gosh. Like, uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do because I was right. Like, that's crazy. Uh, the, like, uh, uh. and we haven't had enough of that in VR because we've, basically had this false start when we falsely put four bit five billion dollars into the market and like I, I i do think that that was i think it was good because it jump-started a bunch of really interesting people and smart people to be building in this space i never think you know when you give people a shot it's bad right like you gave we gave a lot of people a shot with that five billion dollars and like some of them are still in the market like they're still building they're still they're finding their way they're figuring out how to make it work but now, even if you started a company in VR, before you couldn't have supported a business at all in VR. Like we had 70 companies basically try. Uh, in the last three years since the Quest 2, two years since the Quest 2, it's just you can. You can support a team. You can support R&D. You can support like the ecosystems there the real-time community is there, but we need more reasons to just like throw on the headset. Like, I'm not going to say that I, I go into VR all the time, but now I don't feel like I'm forcing myself into VR when I'm doing it. Like there was a time frame where I was like, I have to do this. I have to go into VR. Now it's like, Oh, I get to go in VR. Like I get to like, you know, check out what, what the newest game is swarm or yeah, you know. Billy Eilish music pack. I'm there. Like I'm in. I'm in. Right. Like Lincoln Park uh, do, doing yeah. Beat Saber. You know, like whatever yes. the thing is. And so, yeah, I don't. Th I, and also, VR. Everyone's so freaking sensitive to like the user. I th this is a weird qualm of like issue I have with the developers of VR. So like, hopefully, devs are listening. Like everyone's so sensitive to the privacy of like everyone, and it's like, hey, take people's email addresses, like. It, we can't ping people unless you actually have their information. The only people who have their information is Oculus. And it's like, just take down their information and like, so that you can ping them to get back into the headset because you're doing a service to the entire market. Like we're trying to grow VR. We're not like trying to be like, Hey, this, this person might not want us to have their email address, which we're used to giving our email addresses. Like, that's just a thing. Like we're okay with that. Like, and even phone numbers sometimes. Like I, I think, that was like a huge deal with me. Like I, I basically pestered our entire like company base about like, this isn't a big deal. Just say like, add the screen that says, I want your email address while you're onboarding them so that you have, you can ping them again. Um, mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, nothing like you can't learn better, more about your product. You can't do anything. So uh, yeah, that was a, ra sorry, random rant on something that I have an issue with, with VR devs. <laughs> like uh, that's a random rant. But it's yeah. true. It's so interesting. Even like, like I mentioned, you know, recently the thing that got me back into VR was seeing an advert from Beats saying, hey, we've got a new Billie Eilish music back. And it was like, even though I work in the tech, it reminded me like, oh yeah, I haven't been in to check what's going on in VR right? recently. Like what's being released on SideQuest? What's, and it kind of was the jump start to that. So I agree there's definitely, because obviously and we're so used to being you, pushed you also, you also want that wow content. So the wow content brings you in, right? But you need something that's going to be like repeatable. And so that's why enterprise worked really, really well with the computer. Also, everyone tries to compare the adoption of VR to cell phones. And that's ridiculous. Like cell phones are everywhere. 
it's a new computing device. I think it's more like the adoption of the personal computer, which is way slower and like steady and it's going to keep growing. And all of a sudden everyone's going to have one. Once like three of your friends have one, I think we're going to start having more like three of everyone's friends have one, like in like that early adopter community. I think we're just going to start having like monthly, let's say every two weeks, every month hangs. And I did a couple during the pandemic and they were fun and like, they were great. Um, when we were all locked away and we were able to like, uh, there's a cool, uh, entertainment thing called adventure lab that I did. And the, <clears throat> and I, I also think the social features of VR are still early. Like we're, we're not, it's not perfect yet. Um, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not as simple as it could be. I think some of, some of the stuff's getting so good though. Like mm-hmm. I've always loved space pirate trainer. Like, I don't know why that thing isn't like the great, like greatest of all time. Uh, like top selling it's it, still top selling. It's just not, like it's not given the credit it deserves yes and and the the dev i'm not even an investor and the dev is is one of the guys is named dirk and he he, the reason i I think he was so successful was he invented uh a lot of the standards that other people use today so like he had to invent the way that the guns feel he had to invent like he he was the first one to do this where you put something behind your head and something else comes (laughs) out uh, he was the first one to, uh, when you get shot, it shows the, the, the arrows to go through your body so that you know where it came from so that you're not like, Oh, I died, but like how, um, yeah. and, and so, yeah, sorry, I, I can go on VR rants forever. Uh, is there, if, That's exactly <laughs> what we love on this podcast. We love a VR rant. So it's Good. all welcome. On this. But I'm curious, like we're talking obviously about VR experiences, but I'm curious to hear about like the first time that you even heard about VR. Obviously, like you say, you're, you're kind of like your world is kind of that early stage kind of like emerging stuff and, and you've so, been at the right place, right time for so many different kind of movements. I'm curious to find out how did you first hear about VR? What was your first experience? Tell me everything. So Okay, so my my job, like my my career or my life, is really about finding where the most energetic builders are building impactful tech, like tech and services, and like that. the The reason it just we noticed that there were a lot of those people around cryptocurrency and around virtual reality. Uh, it's not that it was necessarily virtual reality or cryptocurrency. I thought those things were cool, but like the people are what always draw me in, like how differently they think about the world, how, um, how the, they have their own cultures, like the, these people who are in these spaces, uh, they have the, their own words for how things work. Like, like you actually need to create translations in crypto mm-hmm. and VR to have those two worlds uh, connect like that there have to be translators because like certain words in this world don't mean the same thing in this world. And like everyone uses the word metaverse now means completely different things in each like VR and crypto. Like it's, they they mean different things. Everyone's talking about the crypto metaverse when I think it's lacking the main thing, which is immersion, which is the VR uh, metaverse. Um, So so that, that's the thing I've always, like, we've always followed. And in crypto, we, we saw these anarch, I, I call them anarchists. They, they were like ideology, they, they were idealists early and computer scientists early who were builders, but they were all so excited about 
playing with this new technology. And then in, in VR, we actually saw this emergence of artists that were in that world, like creators and artists in VR, because they saw the potential of visualized works. Um, and like, and, and you partner that with entrepreneurship, which is what our world is. And suddenly you have like groundbreaking like businesses. And that's, mm-hmm. that's sort of how I look at what we do at Boost VC is like we try to find those ideals, but we hope that they actually want to build a transformational business. Um, and, and we try to like instill like teams that w- would have that sort of like, I want to change the world attitude. Um, you know, I, I see the same, uh, we, we see it in robotics. We see it in like these different, there are a lot of different technologies that have these space people are space people, right? Like they're people who are obsessed with space, uh, bio people are bio people. Like these technologies actually have identity attached to them. VR, crypto, like they attach themselves to being a part of that. Your podcast is a V like a VR podcast. Like you are. Mm-hmm a part of yeah. this community you're you're labeling yourself a part of this community um and that's so like that's where i want to spend my time i want to spend my time with these people who have partnered their identity with the technologies and want to build transformational businesses so why vr was we just saw this happening early also i put on a headset and i was just like yeah this is going to be a thing it was <laughs> uh, I, I was like yeah no this yeah this what this thing and it, it was a samsung gear it wasn't even good like I, I shouldn't bash it, but like it was early and it was like, it was now that I've tried good VR, I'm like, yeah, it was, that was garbage. And so yeah, we, yeah. we were very early. Um, and yeah, we've been investing in VR since 2015, I think. So six years, maybe 2016, 2015. It's been 20. 20- oh my gosh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I was about the same yeah. time I got into the industry. So yeah. But during that, it's, there've been ebbs and swells and we're finally at the point where I think it's, practical to invest in vr like we're at the point where it's logical it's not illogical like it was illogical back then but i like timing it with building a network so like i think we timed it okay i think we again could have waited a little bit but like we timed it okay we brought together all these amazing humans we have a great like community of virtual reality people who are all like they they all want virtual reality to exist together um and you you were asking about how crypto and vr are going to evolve Mm. um at the beginning of this the uh we didn't think we didn't know that was going to happen like i I didn't i didn't see that happening i like crypto was its own market vr was its own market and people started asking me like well what's the bridge and so we backed a couple people like right in the center like we backed to central land and uh probably should back to everyone who's just in the center because they're going to be the people translating the whole market um should have just bought a bunch of roblox probably um <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the uh but but suddenly we started realizing that there what we're vr brings immersion and crypto brings ownership and like that those two things together end up and then the internet brings openness like it brings uh transparency to the world and so once you have openness uh, tr- like ownership and immersion, you can actually live a life inside of this digital world that we, but we, we're still like you and I are staring at a screen right now. Like it's a window. We, mm-hmm. We've been able to like lust after this window of, of internet, not, not be there. And so suddenly we can be there. We can own things there. And, and which has been a part of human society forever is ownership. 
um, and collecting ownership, like all that stuff. That's a part of gaming. Mm-hmm. It's a part of like, I, I like I said, I mean, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm actually on the, the board of a company called Skybound. It's the only board I'm on, which owns the rights to Invincible and Walking Dead. And the, oh, uh, yeah, it's, which is like awesome. I four, four times, I mean, not even four times, a lot of times a year I get to just talk about comic books. Um, and the, uh, it was just pretty great. The, uh, and it's just, the, we're creating like the perfect storm of technologies that's really going to better our, lives i believe because we are having ownership and we are having immersion now translate to each other Mm. we're going to be able to connect to humans better through technology where i believe up till now we have been uh separating ourselves through technology like i think a lot of the best products of the day really encourage us to not be closer together where when you have immersion and ownership suddenly you have something to talk about and be together um, yeah. Philip Rosedale, first time I saw him speak, he said at some point who runs high fidelity, he's been like a huge ambassador to the VR ecosystem for a long time. He said the, uh, killer app of VR is being together. And I, I still believe that to be true, which is just, we are going to connect better through technology. And I think our mission at boost has always been just to find more people who are thinking towards that and allow them to go interesting yeah so so you mentioned earlier because what you've described just there is kind of like how I've recently been thinking about what the metaverse is like exactly what you just described that kind of like that sense of being together in this digital world rather than just kind of pretending that we're you know together um but I'm curious like is that is that how you see the metaverse and you mentioned earlier that there are two very different versions of the metaverse going on so like what are those two currently and so when we spent yeah, so when we spend time in these technologies, we just find that there's different vocab. Like the jargon that people use in crypto and VR, they they don't match one to one, and you have to start to be almost a multi-languaged human. People don't think yeah. of my job as translation, but that's all I think of it as. Um like they think of it as as like money, but I'm trying to translate present tech to the future. I'm trying to translate like what this person means to what this person means like i'm like a lot of my job is just translating understanding even if everyone's speaking english like and sometimes they're not like sometimes they're speaking other language and that's a whole other translation problem um and and and, it, it you know i would liken i would like liken the translation of uh vr to cryptocurrency metaverse like the translation of culture from England to the United States. Like there are just th- words and things that just mean different things, right? Like and they all say it with a slightly different accent. Um and the uh <laughs> and so versus and, the metaphors. Yeah. <laughs> and so I mean your question of what my metaverse is, I believe immersion is very important to the metaverse. So I believe that that's one of the the three features, which I just, I think I like explained, which is like, there's the internet, there's visual computing, which is like, and 3D computing also was necessary. Like, I don't think everyone says why now, because we've had three false starts of virtual reality. It's like 3D designing has gotten good enough and to the average human. And like, that wasn't possible before. 
the internet connectivity globally has gotten good enough. And like, that wasn't, that definitely wasn't true in the eighties and nineties. Like we didn't even have good Wi-Fi. Like we had radio land and two 25 K kilobit engines, uh, modems. Um, and, and then, uh, and like those two things are incredibly important to the future of like why VR. Okay. But I believe it's immersion. I believe it's internet and I believe it's ownership. And once you have those three things, you can start to have uh, cultures. And I think that we have partial cultures right now in the in the internet. With uh, the emerge, honestly, the emergence of uh, NFTs is a really big deal in mm-hmm. non fungible tokens and crypto, uh, which allows for ownership. But it's not uh, it's has not migrated to the virtual reality world. Um, but the these thing there are these things called bored apes, which uh, you can own one of, and you become a part of that club. You become, they're only 10,000 and you, you become a part of the board apes club society. And people are starting to use it as status on the internet, which no one saw coming, but then they also co- collectively are assuming an identity of these apes. Um, and we're starting to see it, you, the really fun things are starting to see people who own like a pink ape dye their hair pink. And like, that's fascinating. Something on the internet is triggering you to show your identity in the real world, right? Like, hey, why is your hair pink? I own a board ape. That doesn't explain anything. But like to you, it does, right? Like I, I'm seeing online, like the transference of your identity from where it used to be, I'm in the real world and and I'm I'm adding some identity to the internet. Now it's like my identity's in the internet and I'm adding it to the real world. Like we're we're transferring it back almost. Um, and we spend eight hours a day on screens. Like, I, I, I don't know, like so the, the computer knows a lot about me, right? Like I, we might as well figure out how to, um, how to like make that a better relationship. And I think that's a big part of what like the future of computing is and the future of the metaverse is really just talking about, yeah, it was really confusing when crypto companies started pitching me the metaverse. Like that was, that was a confusing moment six months ago. Uh, and everyone thinks that they've been talking about the metaverse for like years and like they just started saying that word and it's smart, but like it was very confusing for a little while because VR was talking about the metaverse and now as like the now, oasis, right? Like and that's now, all yeah. But now the confusing thing is VR companies pitching me crypto universe and but under like understanding the VR universe. It's like a weird it's a weird thing. Like now now it's like trans like I'm like you you're saying you're saying this but you mean this and mm-hmm. like you they don't know that the word metaverse means two different things they think it all means the same thing so someone needs to define I'll just write this blog post I'll define the metaverse for everyone please do please do like <laughs> no but it's interesting <laughs> like I, t- I totally see everything you just said like just makes so much sense and I'm sure it's ringing a lot of bells for for listeners because I think, re- I mean, I've been in crypto, for not definitely not as long as you, but for quite a while now, like years. And, and it wasn't until NFTs that I really started to see what that combo looked like. And like you say, the NFT thing of, oh, this is about communities. This is no longer just a philosophy about our decentralized banking systems and money and the philosophy of like, you know, a global currency. This is now like 
oh shit, yeah, we all just want to communicate to each other what we're about. And actually NFTs allow you to kind of, it's that next step of allowing you to do that through this slightly also kind of like capitalistic flexing of like, yeah, I got a board ape. You know what the floor price for those are? It shows (laughs) shows either you have a lot of money or you were in early. And either way, it's like, it's a status symbol. It's like owning a Lamborghini. Like, yes. And so that's, but you're showing it online where everyone on the, internet can see and like that's way i mean would you rather own a lamborghini or board ape probably board ape because more people can see it right and it sort of is a geeky show off flex thing but the so one of the things um i thought so one of the things i'll explain though is nfts themselves uh are they're three types and I think this is something that a lot of people are getting bogged down to also translation of what NF- everyone says NFTs. Um, but mm. I believe that there are three types and this is my definition of them. There are gaming NFTs, which are in the collecting world. So it's like uh, play to earn is a big deal and that's going to keep going. And then there's uh, like collectibles inside of those games, which will be exciting, not now, but will be exciting when I can transfer that to another game. So if I collect something like a Pokemon in one game and then I can play it in like my, uh, I don't know, Street Fighter game, that'd be pretty awesome, mm-hmm. right? Like suddenly that's that's exciting for interoperability of different gaming. Um, otherwise, it's sort of just like you're playing a game and you collected an item and you might be able to sell it. And like, that's cool, but I think it's really cool if you can actually transfer all this stuff to other value. Um so that's one thing. Gaming. Gaming is one of the things that like I think is going to be a big deal over the next 10 years. It just Axie Infinity made this thing like huge recently. Everyone's trying to chase it. Uh, but the two other types are the ones that have sort of taken off. And the first one was led by Nifty Gateway, which is I call them N of one NFTs um, because there's one release and it's not about uh, transaction or identity. It's about it's the skeuomorphic period of translating old art business model to the new world. So it's basically giving artists a new canvas to be able to have a business model. And the really exciting thing is you can, in a smart contract, allow for if someone resells that piece of artwork. Let, let's say Leonardo da Vinci lives today, the Mona Lisa would be uh, a, an N of one NFT and they would be selling it through the internet and they might sell 20. So it might be a drop. They might sell 20 of this one thing um, and then you own it and that's great. Um, but if they resell it to someone else, uh, you actually do get the 2% transaction fee back to you as an artist, which is a really big deal. Like we in, in France, in Europe, like there are a couple of places that actually regulatorily have allowed, like they have that written in that you should, but no one actually can track it. Like, no, because a lot of like off market on market, like no one's tracking it on the blockchain. You can track it everywhere. Like, so it's just like mm-hmm. anytime there's a transaction, the artist gets a little money. Um, so I believe that one of the richest people on the planet is going to be an artist. So I think it's going to be like, like what the next, the first, the first trillionaire is probably going to be an artist instead of like a technologist or a, it's going to be the person who can lead the imagination. The, That's super interesting. Right? Like, I think it's cool. Um, okay. But the, but then, the, the, so that's the end of ones, which are, I think, really valuable right now to the artists who have been in the traditional web two world like the the uh i make digital artwork i want to make a business out of this i'll build a community of people who enjoy my artwork and it's it's sort of a me to them community 
not but with the uh the next type of nft uh which is i'm one of n rather than n of one one of n uh it's the example is the board ape the board ape it has 10,000 and i own uh, let's say i own a board ape and they're or, or a crypto punk or a whatever and there're 10,000 others i want board apes to succeed as a community but i also want my board ape to succeed and so i will spend a lot of time building the value of my board ape and it becomes more the community to the community rather than the artist to the community and so the community builds up the value rather than just i'm an artist i'm creating imagination and giving it to you the community takes on a form of its own culture and that's fascinating so i think yeah, yeah. i think these are the three types of different nfts right now and it's crazy because these these are all these are all pushed through uh just the idea of scarcity on the internet which is what bitcoin gave us originally like the amount of value ownership is giving us on the internet is i don't think people predicted what it was going to be able to do and so which is again why it's the the trifactor of the uh of the metaverse is immersion it is ownership and it's the internet which gives us connectivity so connection ownership immersion and once we have that we got that metaverse thing everyone keeps talking about. We don't have it yet. <laughs> then we all collectively have an even bigger existential crisis and realize we are in the matrix. <laughs> and we oh, love yeah. it. That's well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. Like, you know, like, are, are we already in a matrix and are we building a matrix within a matrix? And like how, and, and then, you, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cool thoughts on that stuff. So, yeah. the, but, uh, I do think we're building a better world and I think it's a more flat situation that we're building into the internet as long as you invest time into the internet. Like mm -hmm. it's allowing people to earn right now. Yeah. I think there are going to be a lot of early adopters and wealthy people who make a bunch of money, but I believe that it flattens out and everyone's able to make a like anyone can join right now. It's just still connectivity is the gating factor. A lot of people don't have access, but there are gateways all over the world now to be able to participate in this Web3 crypto economy, whether it's in Africa, India, Europe, uh, China, like everyone's got mm -hmm. a gateway. This is governance. It's a governance experiment at like a 4 billion to 9 billion person. Like we're, this is a massive experiment. Like I, I and I think we're, we're succeeding at this point, but like, we'll see what happens. That's what I, 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 I've recently got into a project called Neo Tokyo, which is kind of like, I mean, I'm not sure where it's going, but it's massive NFT experiment about like what you've kind of described about, you know, bringing people in and then letting them decide how it runs. And I kind of like going into it because I've been fascinated the last kind of year or so, especially during like the pandemic, thinking about social structures and the way kind of like things are and, are, and the way that the system's set up and, and thinking about, wow, like we're going into a time where you know, if we are going to give ownership back to the community, if you're going to own assets, you're going to be part of a community like with like uh, DAOs, like DOAs and like all of this. It's, it's all like this fascinating experiment about, well, what actually happens when you do give power 
back, right? And and even just watching like the Discord for this um, NFT project play out and seeing like the natural way that people organize themselves, the natural way that people kind of start creating, you know, all of a sudden this community has like this newsletter that comes out every day and spotlighting creators and a natural thing of like, oh, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I want to give this to the community. And so then other people will go, oh, well, my skill set is in this. So let's band together. And I feel like there's something, like you say, like something that kind of binds both the VR and the and the crypto kind of communities is this bigger philosophical approach to things of like, this isn't just a technology. This is like an actual way of life that we're like experimenting with it. We are experimenting. I mean, we all we, we all live in the internet in some capacity, at least in the like if you're if you're in VR, if you're in crypto a big part of your life is already on the internet. Like, and so why not figure out better ways in which we can connect to each other? And I think that's, it's like, when does the internet get out of our way for us to connect? And like that, Mm -hmm. that's where, I think that's what we're building towards. We're building towards, I mean, the irony is we're building towards a flat world, right? Like we're building towards like anyone can connect to anyone and geography will not matter at all. Um, And that is super cool. So you know, people who say that the planet is flat technically might be right, you know? <laughs> they uh, will, re- they're reverse engineering their conspiracy theory. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I, we I, told you. So I obsess, I obsess over flip, uh, social flips. Uh, so a uh, great social flip is uh, when I was in g- grade school, uh, don't play so many games, you'll never get into college. Uh, was sort of the the story and now it's come to my college you're so good at playing games and so uh, video games and so like uh like that that is like a fascinating social like that no one no one thinks about because now that just makes sense like that's just like Mm -hmm. that that seems like logical don't get into a stranger's car like an entire industry was built on getting into strangers cars right like um the, so there are a lot of these like social, you never do that thing. Like you never, like whenever there's this taboo, like should they be spending that much time on it? Um, that ends up being this massive, massive market. Um, and so it's like, you know, you, uh, Hey, you shouldn't put a screen so close to your eyes. And it's like, <laughs> how close can I get? How clo- Actually, hey, can, can, hey can I put it in my brain? Like, <laughs> that'd be great actually you know what elon just just shove it right in there that'd be great like (laughs) it's so true so obviously this is uh, i could literally talk about this stuff for hours i love it i love talking and thinking about like the bigger picture of all this but let's bring it back to you know the people listening the devs listening the creators listening right now the founders who are excited about everything we've talked about they see the future of all of this they want to be a part of it what would you say is you know what's your best advice for people because you see so many creators founders and and what's the, like the biggest challenges that they face and what's your best advice for them kind of making it i guess in this in this new world there are two ways i would think about it. so if, if i'm focused in uh, vr specifically because uh, well both both crypto and vr like crypto uh you know there's a little more gambling going on than uh in vr because vr doesn't have that gambling machine um mm-hmm. And I'm I'm definitely not bashing crypto. I think that it is universally like uh, transformational technology. But the in VR specifically, the the things that to think about if you're starting a business, starting a product is okay. Why now? Like why now? Why is now the time? And then to think about who, 
who the early adopters of that community are. People sometimes with through technology forget that it's users on the other end. It's not like masses of people. It's like there are small number of people. But who are those people? And like, what do they need? And I think uh, in in crypto, I could actually identify the dem- demographics of like each segment that has been onboarded. And it went from idealists to computer scientists to finance. Uh, now it's artists. And so we were able to onboard these different slugs of people based off of one technology. So it's like, what does VR resonate with? And who should we be onboarding? And what tool do they need? And I, I think it's going to be really big. Also, a lot of devs have a philosophical anger against Facebook, right? Like there's this weird, there's this thing where it's like, but if you're in virtual reality, you should be thanking the heavens of Facebook because they have single-handedly supported the development and innovation up till today. And tons of people, that's a hot take. Like people are going to hate me saying that, but it's true. There would have been, there'd be nothing in VR if Facebook wasn't today. Facebook wasn't investing so much, so heavily into it. And so I I think that we're going to have more competition in the next 12 months. I think there's going to be more headsets. But right now, the distribution is Facebook. And like, hang, like you know, I, I, by the way, I don't own any Facebook stock. I should probably, but like, I don't, I don't own any. Like, I'm not, I'm not promoting them because of some self-interest. I, they didn't invest in Boost VC in any capacity. Um, the, uh, well, maybe after this, they will. Uh, no, the, the they, uh, I just, I just believe that when, when people get, yeah, when, when people get triggered that way, where it's like, oh, they're like morally incorrect or whatever, they're just a business, right? Like they're just, they're just trying to figure out how to make their business work. And like, I look, you know, I, I work with these early, early stage businesses where it's just like, you know, like they could die overnight. They could like, they're, it's just like. Facebook still thinks of themselves that way, right? Like it's still founder led like that. Mark Zuckerberg is still just like, Hey, can't die tomorrow. I missed the platform with phones. Got to make sure the VR headset works. Uh, Like that. Those are the decisions you're making. So I, and I just think if, if it also simplifies the market, if you're a dev, go build a relationship with Facebook to get distribution. Like there's one vehicle that you need to negotiate with rather than like tons and so, and once you get an app on, on quest and I'm not talking about app lab, everyone keeps telling me they have an app on app lab. Yeah. Everyone's got an app on app lab. It's like, you know, uh, I'm being more strong armed than I should on the, this advice. Uh, the, the, uh, it, like it, once you get an app on quest, every other headset's going to want your business once they've launched. So it's just like, be there to make sure that you can sustainably build a business. And it, you might, your ambitions might not be to change the world, but it might be to make a really great game or a really great service or a really great like experience. Um, and w- we get to define that together. Like we get to define what that means. I don't think anyone knows what those things mean yet. Like, I don't know what a great game in VR is. I loved Space Pirate Trainer, but it's, it, it ends at some point, you know, like it's, it's still a copy paste of like almost the, like vibe wise. It's like Pac-Man, like Level one, level two, level three, level four. He simplified it because out of necessity. Now you could have a like epic game where I'm the hero and like I have to save the world or whatever. I don't know. I just no, I, I, yeah. 
No, no, I think I, I think that's a re- it's a really interesting conversation. I think that there's a lot of obviously there is there is a lot of kind of conversation around the ethics of not just necessarily the Facebook monopoly with this, but also things like, you know, I did a, a TEDx talk a while ago about like the fact that I was using VR in hospice care and and the benefits of like, you know, kind of this fact of giving this love that. this yeah, like someone, you know, nearing end of life, getting to re-experience one of their favorite places in the world. What is uh, better I, than that? You know, I have the best picture from 2016. My uh, grandmother, she had Parkinson's for like 40 years. And she, uh, and I put a VR headset on her. So I, I like, I was like so jazzed and it was the Samsung gear. So it's like, she, I wish she was around for the better stuff, but she passed away like two years later. But I have this amazing picture of her loving VR and like exploring the space a little bit, looking around, checking out like wherever she was. Um, I get it. Like, I get it. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I think that there's always, there's always two sides of the coin. And I think, um, yes, I strongly believe like as a creator, like I know when I put someone in a headset, I take responsibility for the fact that they're in a headset. And if I, you know, like give them a heart attack, like, because I've done something really stupid with my design, then that that's on me. Like, and, and you know, I do think that there is an ethical care that, that creates that, but I do agree with you. I think like, also we cannot deny like the unfathomable, um, you know, ripple effects of this technology. And the fact I always, again, like think that, that my personal uh, thoughts on how this goes really, really mainstream is when, you know, the average school, like I went to a pretty shitty school and it, it, I didn't get to go on private trips to like Italy to learn about ancient Rome. But if, oh my That'd God, if I'd had a headset and been able to learn from Julius Caesar about ancient Rome, like how transformational would that have been? Maybe I'd be, you know, like- 100%. Really- you know, like I think there's there's so much possibilities. And, and I think them. we're in a weird phase of all technology where we're all trying to learn what it means to be connect four billion people connected on one network, right? Mm. Like, like we're in a weird historical time where we're just trying to v- figure out what these tribes are. What like are there tribes? Like I think that's a big question. It's like are do, or are we just one planet? We're used to having a small village, like as his like genetically. <clears throat> I think we're at this weird time where it's like suddenly everything is possible that you we could give access to educational access to what Rome is to a rural village in India right like where I found out 3 years ago that 400 million people in India still don't have access to like electricity like that's crazy right like it's maybe it's not for no it was like 400 million maybe it's 200 million 200 to 400 million people no access to electricity. They have a truck come in, charge up phones, but they have access to phones, right? Like no electricity, but they have phones. Like how crazy is that? And so like yeah. we're, we're, we're still evolving as a species. We're still evolving what these tools are that we're building. Um, this was an amazing, I mean, this has been an amazing podcast for me thinking through like what that metaverse really is. And I think I do. Th- I, I'm going to be stubborn in saying it's that triangle. It's it's the, the three pieces, and we've had the network, we've had the connectivity for a while, and we are just establishing ownership and immersion. And I think those all three are going to be very powerful for the future of humans. Now that that's a sound bite, my friend. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been such a fascinating conversation. Thanks for, for joining me. Thanks for sharing all of your wisdom and your thoughts with the, with the Alex Makes VR community. Um, Thank you for I being the like one I- person who thinks it's wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> 
it 100 percent is um where can people go to find you what's your twitter handle like where can people learn a bit more about boost vc so, and, and maybe yeah so uh, at adam draper um is is my handle for twitter um, and you can also email me adam at boost.vc. I'm more than happy to, uh, if you have questions, you're, if you're a dev, you're starting a company or you're thinking about starting a company, have to be a sounding board. And then, uh, on, and then boost VC, uh, we invest five. I didn't even say what boost VC. Okay. Hopefully we say what boost VC is at some point. Uh, we invest $500,000, uh, in sci-fi companies, uh, twice, twice a year we invest in 10 companies and, it's um it's an it's amazing and you get to work with me and my team my team are even more talented than i am um and so apply for the next session or just or email me and i'll give you the details on how to get to the next step so um that would be it's it's amazing we're interested in crypto we're interested in virtual reality we're interested in space so uh go go get yeah get in touch with me 100%. 100%. And just to clarify, are you looking for specifically, you know, big, big kind of ideas, virtual reality, things that go straight to kind of consumers? Are you interested in B2B someone, stuff? So, someone said something really great last week to me, which was big things start small. And I I believe that to be very, very true. Um, I I believe that big things do have a, a, a concreteness to them, though where it's like, you know what they are and it serves a very specific customer. And so understanding what that technology and who the customer is, is very important to me. Other than that, I want the imagination to take hold. I believe the paramount value we can create, we can give to everything in the world is imagination. Uh, I believe that's the peak. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily financial. I don't think it's necessarily like creative i think it's all imagination and giving us the ability to it it is creative but it's giving us the ability to like really think beyond my biggest fear is that uh the world's imagination is being limited right now um and that because i i just feel that a lot of all the things that are in sci-fi are possible now i don't I, i like i'm not seeing so my goal is to push the limits of what sci-fi, what is possible, what inspires, and to push people to build it. Because I, as as much as I wish I was, I'm not a talented builder. I am a talented like energy source. Yeah, you're an enabler of. I'm an enabler. Of I'm, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like that moment when you're plugging something in. Like it's just like. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's the perfect perfect metaphor for for what you do this again thank you so much this has been absolutely amazing and for for everyone listening definitely go check adam out hit him up like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to be part of the foundations of what will be the next frontier i'm sure so thanks so much for listening and i'll speak to you next week So that was my conversation with Adam Draper. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I genuinely left that chat feeling so exhilarated, so excited. Everything we talked about was so in line with my kind of thoughts in terms of where this tech is all going. 
I might have, you know, a couple of other things to say about Facebook in a future episode, which I have promised you I will do. Um, but in general, so fascinating to hear how these uh, technologies intersect uh, in terms of blockchain and NFTs and VR and AR and everything like that. Um, I should probably give you the context and I should, probably should have done this up top, really. Uh, this conversation with Adam happened before Facebook's announcement that they were changing their name and before Mark Zuckerberg did his keynote outlining their vision for the future of the metaverse. Not that it really changes much, but I probably should have given you that context. Um, like I've said uh, in a couple of episodes ago, I will give you my unfiltered thoughts on everything that Facebook outlined and my personal feelings on like where everything's going with the metaverse and some of the questions that we need to be asking ourselves as creators um which I kind of got in with uh kind of started the chat with with Adam in this but obviously it in itself requires a whole episode I think to digest so I'm gonna leave it at that I would love to hear what you thought of this episode um if you're new to this podcast if you're just discovering it because of uh this interview with Adam then welcome thank you so much for listening um feel free to have a listen to some of the previous episodes we talk about everything on this podcast from very very specific technical stuff about running a VR business or being a VR creator all the way to big picture life stuff futuristic predictions about where this tech all goes some of the ethical things we have to consider and just general good times that's what I hope to bring to you all anyway so with that said uh feel free to hit me up with your thoughts on social media you know it does the world um of good to uh for you to share the podcast but of course only if you genuinely got value from this you can tag me my social media accounts are alex makes vr across all of the platforms it's very on brand i'm gonna have to change it though aren't i like vr is going to become like an obsolete term in the future isn't it it's just going to be like the metaverse everything's going to be considered metaverse i'm gonna have to be like alex makes metaverse (laughs) alex metaverse alex maybe i should just rebrand to be my actual name you know the rooster. (laughs) Okay, I'm going now. Have a great day wherever you are in the world. And I look forward to speaking to you in the next one.